time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian. And this show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and counseling. Each week, we bring you information on how eating real foods in balance can help to heal your body and boost your metabolism. Joining me today is Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist. So good morning, Cara. Good morning, Brenna, and good morning to all of our listeners. You know, Brenna, we've been getting really busy these days, seeing lots of clients in our six Twin Cities locations. And I know you work with people in our Maple Grove and North Oaks offices, and I work out of the Wayzata office. We sure have been getting busy. Yeah, it's pa- great. This week was just packed with clients. Um, but besides counseling, we or we will be um, on TV showing viewers some simple recipes to make in their crock pots. Mm-hmm. I understand you were on earlier this week. I was. Yeah, we were just talking about that. I was recently on Fox Channel 9 News demonstrating how to make uh, Mexican crockpot chicken wraps and that it's a great recipe from our weight and wellness cookbook. And the segments on our website, weightandwellness.com, if anybody is interested. Yes, and those chicken wraps are delicious. I know. I hadn't had them before making them for the show. Cara, what are you doing? I know. No, it's going to be a staple in our household. That's right. So this coming Monday, October 26th, I will also be on the Kara 11 News at 4 p.m. demonstrating how to make our white chicken chili recipe, which listeners and viewers can find on our website, weightandwellness.com. Yeah, so that'll be another great segment, and it what a is. timely topic. Everyone's getting their crock pots ready for the holidays and yeah, the winter. Crocktober. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, enough about us and our TV and our crock pots. Let's jump in today's topic of Crohn's and colitis. And I think a lot of listeners will find the information and suggestions that we have for them today to be truly life-changing. Agreed. For people who are unfamiliar with Crohn's and colitis, these are two diseases that are part of something called irritable bowel disease, or IBD for short. So we'll talk about it pretty much as IBD for Mm -hmm. the rest of the show. But listeners might be more familiar with the term IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. But irritable bowel disease, IBD, it's kind of like the big brother of IBS. Many of the symptoms are similar, but often the symptoms are going to be more severe and more extreme. Right. And people with Crohn's or colitis typically experience severe abdominal cramping, nausea, and urgent bloody diarrhea. With these types of symptoms, it can be very difficult to live a normal, productive life. Imagine always having to be on what we like to term bathroom Mm -hmm. alert, making sure you are never too far from a toilet. Doesn't sound like much fun. And we know firsthand from working with clients who have IBD that even just taking 20 to 30 minutes for something simple, like trying to drop their kids off at school, that can really be a challenge when their digestive system is not working well. And what's interesting is I actually just saw a client yesterday 
who uh, has IBD or colitis. And he was telling me, you know, he actually had to um, get, I don't know, it's like very specific kind of like um, forms from his doctor saying that he can work from home. Oh, really? Really, because he it's very difficult for him to leave the house in the morning because of his diarrhea. Interesting. So think about that's just one person and that's how it's affecting his life. I'm right. sure there's a lot of stories like that. So many of them. And this irritable bowel disease is really two separate but similar diseases. Crohn's is refer Crohn's disease refers to the inflammation that can occur anywhere along the intestinal tract from mouth to anus. This inflammation includes bleeding ulcers. And then ulcerative colitis, or it's termed colitis for short, that affects only the last portion of the digestive tract, the colon, also known as the large intestine. And people with colitis will notice that they have very bright red bloody stools, or this is potentially what Mm -hmm. they could have, compared to someone with Crohn's disease, where their ulcers might be higher up in the digestive tract, and they may actually notice that their stools are really dark or almost black in color. Yes, and that black color just comes from the blood kind of oxidizing and being just older sure, coming from the sense. colon. And unfortunately, there is currently no known cure for either Crohn's or colitis. The goal of treatment is simply remission. However, we know that by changing a client's diet and adding in some key supplements, remission is totally possible, Mm -hmm. which means they no longer have to be on Mm -hmm. bathroom alert. Okay, so I think maybe we should say that again, because I think that's a really new thought that people can actually be in remission without having having medication. It's true. So we change the diet. We get the immune system to calm down because colitis and Crohn's are autoimmune diseases, meaning your body is attacking your Mm -hmm. intestinal tract. Mm -hmm. And so like Cara said, and like I said, if we can put it into remission, you don't have to live with these symptoms. Yeah. I mean, I I think some people think, oh, I have this condition. I'm going to struggle with this the rest of my life. But we do see people going into remission in our office. Without having to be on some pretty intense medications. Right. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, too. Yeah. There are four key diet changes that we frequently recommend for people who suffer from IBD. And they have to do with cutting out gluten, dairy, processed fats, and added sugars. And hopefully we have time to talk about all four of them today. I'm pretty sure we will. But if not, we want listeners to know that they can find an older Dishing Up Nutrition show on iTunes as well as on our website, weightandwellness.com, because really this is only the second time that we've covered Crohn's and colitis on Dishing Up Nutrition. Mm -hmm. But any of our podcasts that deal with gut health, and there are lots of those. Right, right. We were saying you were saying there's a lot on IBS and some of that information will carry over. Exactly. So, you know, if you're dealing with Crohn's, colitis, IBD, IBS, uh, you know, celiac disease, or you just you don't have a diagnosis, but you know you've got tummy troubles, mm-hmm. then we would highly recommend going on and listening to any of our gut health mm-hmm. podcasts. Great advice. And people might be wondering, how does someone get Crohn's disease? How does someone get ulcerative colitis? Well, these two diseases are considered, again, autoimmune diseases. So a person's body is attacking its own cells. 
and the cells that line the intestinal tract in particular. So this is what leads to the inflammation and those bleeding ulcers. And research has shown that people must carry specific genes for Crohn's and colitis, but the genes need a trigger to turn them on because a lot of people carry genes, but they're not turned on and they don't affect health. Right. And these are not our blue genes. (laughs) We're talking about our genetics. So we have Mm -hmm. specific genetics that make us susceptible to Crohn's or colitis. So that trigger that turns on these genes might be a virus, such as the flu or the shingles, or it might be a chronic physical or emotional Mm -hmm. stress, or it might be a change in gut bacteria after a round of antibiotics, or it might be smoking. Yes, even smoking can trigger IBD. So once the IBD gene is turned on, Unfortunately, it can't be turned off. However, we know as nutritionists and having worked with hundreds and probably in our office, thousands Thousands. of clients that removing gluten and dairy, and we will talk more about that, but removing gluten and dairy are two very important steps toward healing the intestinal lining. And gluten has become kind of a buzzword these days. And some people think it's a fad diet. But for other people with intestinal issues, even if they do not have celiac disease, removing the gluten-containing grains such as wheat, rye, barley, spelt, kamut, and oats for some people too, makes a difference. And it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. And there's research to back it up. That's right. In a study performed, and this is just one piece of research, there's a lot of research out there, but... Uh, A study performed at the University of North Carolina, researchers found that out of 314 patients with irritable bowel disease, those who had followed or were following a gluten-free diet, 65% of them experienced an improvement in at least one of their clinical symptoms. 38% had fewer or less severe symptoms. 23% found they required fewer medications to control the disease. That's pretty impressive. Phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So foods that contain gluten are things like bread, pizza crusts, donuts, pastas, bagels, muffins, cereal, and crackers. But even things like soy sauce, barbecue sauce, candy bars, and hard candy, certain brands of marshmallows and canned soups also contain gluten. That's a pretty wide list, isn't it? It is. It's really crazy where it's all hidden. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? It is time for us to take our first break. So maybe we could just talk more about that. The gluten when we come back. back. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We have some great classes coming up and I know some of our listeners will be very interested in them. So stay tuned. When we come back from break, Cara will be giving dates and times for classes such as the now very popular menopause seminar or Nutrition for ADD and HD, and of course, our Nutrition for Weight Loss class series. But if you have questions for us about nutrition and irritable bowel disease, give us a call here in studio at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist. Nutritional Weight and Wellness has several wonderful classes coming up. On October 28th, and I should say I'm here also with Brenna Thompson, registered (laughs) licensed dietitian. Brenna is going to be teaching nutrition for ADD and ADHD at the Sandberg Education Center in Anoka from 6 to 8 p.m. 
And on November 7th at 10.30 a.m., Dara will be presenting the Menopause Seminar at the Maplewood Community Center. Just to get people thinking about it, during the week of November 9th, our offices will be starting a whole new round of Nutrition for Weight Loss series. These are great for anyone that's looking to lose 10, 20, 50, even 100 pounds and get healthy while doing it. So to sign up for any of these classes, call the Nutritional Weight and Wellness Office at 651-699-3438. Before break, Brenna and I were talking about gluten um, being a trigger for a lot of people with not only Crohn's and colitis, but just digestive issues in general. And for those of you listening, if you're not sure what gluten is, it's a protein that's found in certain grains. The grains are wheat, rye, barley, spelt, kamut, and for some people, they have a hard time digesting oats as well. Right, because oats don't specifically contain gluten, but they do get cross-contaminated because they might be grown in a field next to wheat, or maybe they're transported mm-hmm. on trucks with barley or, you know, in the same facility. So Right. So we have to talk about oats, uh, especially if somebody's really sensitive to gluten, as something it's, to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were talking about, you know, th- just some research backing up that people with Crohn's and colitis have do so much better with reduction in symptoms, not needing as many medications when they remove gluten from their diet. And I mean, we recommend the same thing. And we have a class called Gut Reaction. And in that class, we challenge participants who are struggling with intestinal issues to remove gluten from their diet for four to six weeks to see if it makes a difference for them. We also give them a list of ingredients to avoid and foods that might contain those ingredients. So if listeners live in the Twin Cities, they can attend the gut reaction class. Uh, It's November 5th in Woodbury. But if you live outside of the Twin Cities, you can still actually take our gut reaction class. This is pretty cool because we have it online. You can go to weightandwellness.com and click on the services tab. Yes, and then they'll see like the little pull down off of the services tab. There's, I think there's classes and then there might even be a separate one for online classes. Um, but you click on either mm-hmm. one of those and you can find it. Yeah, and it's, I, what, I think it's $25. You have a, like two days to view it or mm-hmm. something like that. Yes, and lots of good information in those mm-hmm. classes. Now this might be, seem scary and daunting. You know, no cereal for breakfast. No sandwich at lunch when we remove that gluten. But really, if you're having bloody diarrhea and chronic stomach pain, what have you got to lose? That's right, Brenna. I mean, people are really suffering. So four to six weeks of no gluten is definitely (laughs) attainable. Yeah. Some healthcare professionals today don't think there is a connection between gluten and other autoimmune diseases such as Crohn's and colitis. But again, there is research showing that people with IBD share similar genetics to people who have celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease. That is 100% related to a gluten sensitivity. Yes, yes. So in the World Journal of Gastroenterology, May 7th edition, researchers clearly point out that people with irritable bowel disease share genetic pathways similar to people who are celiac, and this can lead to the activation of their specific autoimmune disease. 
So when, you know, when we talked about giving um, the recommendation to give up gluten for four to six weeks, if people find that removing gluten for that amount of time makes them feel better, it makes a lot of sense to keep it out of the diet. Really, we can get all of the nutrients that we need from eating meat, vegetables, fruits, nuts, and other healthy fats like butter, avocados, olive oil. We actually don't need to eat bread, pasta, cookies, and cereal. I mean, I, I think it's it's a misconception that, you know, well, I have to have my oat bran to get my fiber or I have to have my sandwich to get my fiber. And we hear that things like so that. often. Yeah. Um, it's just it's such a kind of miseducation. Yeah. Towards our public of this thought, you know, when we look at the old food guide pyramid, what was at the bottom of it? It was bread pasta, those cereal grains. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, I think if we had a weight and wellness food pyramid, (laughs) we would have meat and vegetables. Right. On the bottom of that pyramid. People are concerned about getting fiber as an example. There is a lot more fiber in just fruits and vegetables than you would ever get in a grain product like cereal or bread. And sometimes clients ask if they need to be 100% gluten-free. And during that kind of four to six week period, the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, And then if you find that gluten is a trigger for you and causing you digestive issues, then yes, you need to be 100% gluten free. That includes the weird oddball things like marshmallows and barbecue sauce. Mm -hmm. Because according to Dr. Thomas O'Brien, who specializes in gluten research, he says that the damage caused by a single gluten exposure can last up to six months, drastically slowing the healing process. Wow. Yeah. Six months after just one little gluten exposure. And so you and I both have clients that ask us that question pretty much every time they're in a consultation. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I had a little bit of gluten. And I didn't feel very good. Yeah. But even if they even if they didn't have a symptom, it's still creating that whole inflammatory process. That's right. In the gut. So so we want to keep that inflammation to a minimum. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, having cereal for breakfast, I recommend that clients have two to three eggs um, cooked in a little bit of butter or olive oil have a side of fruit for the carbohydrate or maybe roasted sweet potato wedges, which is a great recipe. Uh, That that recipe is on our nutritional weight and wellness website, weightandwellness.com. So what you can do is make the sweet potato wedges on the weekend or whenever you have some free time, and then you have them in your fridge and then you just reheat them during the week for and that counts as your carbohydrate for your breakfast. That's starchy or carbohydrate. Yeah. And I know... I also really like to, in the winter, have winter squash, kind of like the butternut or acorn squash for breakfast. And on our TV segments, we even... (laughs) Great lead in. (laughs) Thanks. We actually show viewers how to make winter squash in their crock pot. Why don't you tell people, just because not every, not 100% of our radio listeners are going to be able to see that. That's right. So Give them that squash recipe. Cara, you do it with where you kind of poke a few holes in the skin and put your crock pot, um, put the squash in the crock pot with a little bit of water. I personally just wrap the squash up in a little like aluminum foil or tin foil, whatever mm-hmm. you call it these days. Mm-hmm. And then I just put the squash in the crock pot wrapped up in the foil. Oh, I've seen that recipe as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then just put it on high maybe for like three, four hours. Mm -hmm. And what I like about doing it that way is then I can just 
take it out of the crock pot, unwrap it, cut the whole thing in half. Yep. Scoop out the seeds, scoop out the flesh, and then everything gets wrapped up in the foil, and I just throw it in the trash can. Great. Nothing gets dirty. Yeah, excellent. You don't I'm have to, all for to clean your crock pot. Quick and easy. <laughs> so those are the two ways to do it. And then, you know, you come home and there's part of your dinner. There's part of your dinner. That's right. right. Or in the or, morning. Or you just have it for yep. your breakfast or your lunch or yes. whatever. <laughs> and that the sweet potatoes or the winter squash are really good. I like them mashed with some coconut milk. Or and then put a little cinnamon in mm-hmm. there instead. Oh, that of, sounds good. You know, when I was a kid, my mom would put brown sugar on it. Mm-hmm. But now we know, especially with Crohn's or colitis, that sugar is really inflammatory. Yes, and I think we we are going to talk more about that. But that's good for you to mention now that sugar is definitely another trigger food for Crohn's and colitis. That's right. And using the coconut milk or coconut oil kind of adds just a little bit of that natural sweetness mm-hmm. without adding sugar. And then the cinnamon, too. I like that for a it's little bit of flavor. Delicious. Maybe we should just go to our break. And then when we come back, we'll, we're will we going to talk more about Crohn's and colitis and how to avoid the flare-ups. Right. And you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Making diet changes is one important aspect to putting Crohn's and colitis into remission. But there are two key supplements Cara and I both recommend, bifidobacteria and glutamine, to speed the process along. When we come back from break, we will discuss more about bifido and glutamine. So stay tuned. But again, if you have questions for us today about nutrition, food, gut health, please call us at the studio, 651 641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist. Brenna Thompson is here as well. And Brenna and I, as well as all the nutritionists and dietitians at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, have found that supplementing with bifidobacteria and L-glutamine drastically improves clients' symptoms when it comes to irritable bowel disease. That's right. And research has shown that imbalances in good bacteria frequently plays a role in both Crohn's disease and colitis. So I often recommend that clients take one to two capsules of our Nutri-Key Bifidobacteria before each meal to begin rebalancing their gut flora. And many of our past shows, we've discussed taking Bifidobacteria along with glutamine And while glutamine is great for healing the digestive tract, I know we both like to use a product called Glutagenics, which does contain glutamine, but in addition, it also contains licorice root and aloe. And both licorice and aloe, they're they're called demulcent herbs. All that means is that they're very soothing to the, um, the mucous membranes and the intestinal lining, and which those membranes are often inflamed or they are inflamed mm-hmm. with colitis yeah. and Crohn's. And I did not know demulcent herbs. D- D-E-M-U-L-C-E-N-T, demulcent. It's just demulcent. A, kind of a category of herbs that are soothing. You learn something new every day. <laughs> now I have clients mix half a teaspoon of the glutagenics into a small glass of water and drink it before each meal. Or I might have them mix it into a water bottle several times a day and just sip on it between meals. And when they do this consistently, they can really tell a difference in how well they feel and how well their digestive system is working. Yep. And those two things, that those are the first supplements that we recommend when dealing with IBD. Yes. And- so 
Oh, sorry. Oh, we have a caller. Say something? We, we do. Gonna, we do okay. have. We have a couple callers. Let's go ahead and take Diane's call because it looks like she wants to follow up on maybe a tip for roasting squash. Okay. Um, Diane, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. How are you today? I am well. Thank you. Um, I was just saying how easy it is to pre-cook uh, squash. Last weekend I picked up 14 combination of butterscotch or butter um, nut and also the spaghetti. And I have an electric roaster, and all I did was set it to about 350, put in about a cup of water, dropped them in. Within 45 minutes they were done. As I was cleaning those out and bagging them into Ziplocs, I threw the next batch in, and it was the easiest thing. That's a great tip. That is some great and, planning uh, ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Do you put it in the yep. freezer then, or what? Yes, I do. I freeze okay. it. And okay. right now, with all the farmers selling all their stuff, last week I picked up each one of them for a dollar a piece. Wow, it's definitely awesome. a good time so, to purchase yeah. squash. Great. Yeah. Uh, thanks for your call. Great. We appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. We have another caller. Let's let's take Judy's call. Good morning, Judy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Do you have a question for us today? Yes, I do. Um, I had uh, obstructive bowel surgery a few years back, and uh, they took out seven inches of colon. And I just want to be uh, careful that there's no scar tissue blockage years down the road. Is there anything I need to be careful of? I do do the alglutamine and bifidol every morning on an empty stomach. And I'm just wondering maybe do I need to up it, like Mm -hmm. you say, before every meal and anything uh, fiber or diet-wise that would be helpful just to make sure that there's no scar tissue down the road and causing another having to go in with a blockage. Um, if you could, any information on that? I think it would depend upon what caused the blockage in the first place. Um, I guess I would say if at this point everything that you are doing and eating is making you feel good. Okay. I don't know that I would necessarily change anything, not knowing exactly what you're eating. This might be a good time to go in and make an appointment with a nutritionist if you haven't done so already and have them kind of help you make more of a personalized plan to help prevent any future blockages or development of scar tissue. Right. Yeah. And that sounds good. I know my doctor had said something about make sure you have a high fiber diet, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I do eat the way and wellness way and clean, you know, Mm -hmm. But I don't have issues with gluten, so I do still have, you know, some gluten in my diet um, because I have no issues with dairy or gluten, and I feel fine and good and healthy mm-hmm. and eat well and clean. So just don't want to cause, you know, because I hear scar tissue develops, you know, once they cut into the colon, mm-hmm. and I just want to be careful that I'm not eating anything that would cause further damage, you know. Well, the scar so. tissue is going to form just because... Mm-hmm. We've had you've had a major surgery, mm-hmm. but I think the bigger goal is to make sure that you don't ever get a blockage again. Right is right. what mm-hmm. I would think. So okay, and, and well, then the the, uh, the bifidol and the L-glutamine might you know three times a day rather than just once in the morning. I mean, I think you know when we're talking about three times a day, a lot of times our IBD clients are really struggling with a lot of symptoms and we like to see them kind of sipping on a beverage or water that has 
the glutamine and the bifido or taking the capsules throughout the day. But I think it doesn't sound like you're currently having symptoms. If you're taking a high enough dose, once a day could be sufficient. Um, Otherwise, I would say at the most for you, maybe in the morning and then before dinner. Sure. So, okay, so, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah thank welcome. you for your call, Judy. Have a great okay. weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I guess if we go back to still kind of talking about gluten here, instead of a sandwich at lunch, you know, I would recommend cooking some extra meat and veggies at dinner the night before so you have a mm-hmm. quick and balanced grab-and-go lunch the next day. My husband, Ryan, and I will frequently pack up dinner leftovers into our individual glass containers after supper so that everything just runs smoothly in the morning as we head to work. And then at lunch, it's really easy to just quickly reheat Mm -hmm. them in a toaster oven or a microwave and you've got a hot meal. We do the same thing at our house. I think that if that's a possibility for people, that's a great time to be thinking about the next day is Mm -hmm. if you have leftovers, don't wait until morning to kind of get them all packed up for your lunch. Just do Do it it the night before. Right out of the skillet or the pan, whatever it is. Yes. So step two to healing Crohn's and colitis. So just to kind of recap, step one was removing gluten. Yep. (laughs) uh, Step two is removing dairy products from the diet for four to six weeks. And I find that it works best to do this at the same time as removing gluten, that four to six week time frame. This gives the digestive tract the best chance at becoming less inflamed. Now, dairy is going to include anything that is made from cow's milk. So that would include yogurt, cottage cheese, cheese, cream cheese, and yes, even ice cream. So (laughs) for some really sensitive people, it also is going to include heavy whipping cream um, or heavy cream and butter. Now... I have an amazing success story about a client who removed gluten and dairy and sugar from her diet and really helped heal her ulcerative colitis. And I think I've got enough time to chat about her here. A few minutes here. Yeah. So Rebecca came to me earlier this summer and in this, what was it? I think fall of like 2013, she was only 15 years old and she started having bloody diarrhea that kind of came and went on and off. For almost a year. So, I mean, imagine trying to be 15 with bloody diarrhea. That would just be so scary. Yeah. But in July of 2014, she was in terrible pain. She and her family had gone out to Montana. And as they were driving back, she talked about how she was curled up on that middle seat in their van and just in horrible pain horrible abdominal pain and by the time they got home she was throwing up and having just horrible symptoms here finally they did a colonoscopy which showed that she had tons of ulcers up and down her colon and i believe she also had an endoscopy where they go down and they look at your stomach um and as well as parts of your small intestine that didn't show anything so she was definitely diagnosed with that ulcerative colitis just affecting Mm -hmm. her colon and she showed me pictures of it. And oh, she did? I did. I got to see the X-rays colonoscopy. Or, nope. Or... Um, it's the scope. Oh, okay. So you can see the colorful pictures oh, of it all. Uh, and you could really see these big, very inflamed ulcers lining her colon. Now, her gastroenterologist put her on a low-fiber diet, which she later termed her Twinkie diet. Oh, no. Because everything <laughs> she was eating was, of course, low-fiber. So white bread... 
pasta, lots of Twinkies or Pop Tarts. Um, you that know, was approved. Technically. That was an approved diet by her doctor, and along with the prednisone, she gained fifty pounds very quickly. She had no energy to play soccer, and she still had diarrhea. <laughs> so, so it wasn't. It was not working. Issue. Now, at the age of I think sixteen or seventeen, okay, she. Okay, so this went on for a couple this went years on like for that? like a good year of okay. this. Yes, uh, she heard about going gluten free, dairy free, and sugar free, and she was all on board with this. So on her own, she started this gluten free, dairy free, sugar free diet for a month. She lost twenty five pounds, had less stomach pain, and less diarrhea. And that was before coming wow. to see me. She did that on her own. That's she, very admirable. Yeah, very. And after coming to see me, we started the glutagenics, some bifido, and just refined her diet to get a few more fruits and vegetables to restart introducing those. Mm-hmm. She was really missing them. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it, after about three months of working with me, um, she had another colonoscopy recently. Mm-hmm. No ulcers. Oh, Brenna, that's amazing. None. And no more diarrhea. If she follows her diet, no diarrhea. That is wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Now, I guess we have to go to break. We do. Okay. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian. We've been talking about Crohn's and colitis today. So far, we've covered how eating gluten-free and dairy-free can make a difference in putting these diseases into remission. But there are two other food groups that can trigger inflammation and symptoms. When we come back from break, Cara will discuss how sugar and trans fats make gut health worse. We got this king says to ourselves. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist. I'm here today with Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian. We both know that avoiding gluten and dairy is important when it comes to healing the gut. But avoiding processed fats such as corn, soybean, canola, cottonseed, and vegetable oil is also really important. And of course, any oil that is hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated should also be avoided. That would be considered a trans fat. These oils are really hard for the body to digest. And fried foods almost always contain one of those kinds of fats that I just mentioned. But also salad dressing crackers, potato chips, pastries are also going to have them almost always. <laughs> Pretty much always. Yeah. These are the oils that a lot of restaurants are cooking their foods in. So instead, you know, when you're cooking at home, replace those processed fats with more real pure fats like coconut oil, olive oil, and butter. And for some people, Added sugar is going to trigger trigger a flare-up of their symptoms for Crohn's and colitis. And as nutrition experts, we know that sugar is very inflammatory to every cell in the body. So even though, you know, manufacturers are making gluten-free cookies, gluten-free cake, dairy-free ice cream, these foods still contain a lot of added sugar. And that really could be enough to trigger someone with Crohn's disease or colitis to have more symptoms. So, you know, it's sometimes just taking out the gluten, taking out the dairy, you know, but then having a bunch of sugar. Just is, other processed gluten-free foods. Yeah. Or processed sugar or sugary dairy-free foods. <laughs> doesn't 
heal the gut. Right, right. And that's what, so before break, when I was talking about my client, Rebecca, she has really found that processed fats, um, you know, she's kind of started adding back some dairy and seems to be tolerating that. But she knows that processed fats will give her gut issues. And I find that more and more with clients who have very sensitive digestive tracts. So you think about the like soybean oil, it's in almost everything. Not, I mean, not everything, but if it's a processed food, it's probably going to have soybean oil. It's probably going to be in there. Or of course now I'm seeing a lot of corn oil commercials. Yes. That's another one. And I just, I look at it and I think, no, this is a very damaged fat and it's hard for us to digest and it creates inflammation. Those fats are heated to a very high temperature, which mm-hmm. actually create oxidation, or I think of it as like a rancid fat. Rancid fat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not good. No. So you were talking about a wonderful story before break. Your client, Rebecca, mm-hmm. who is she 17 now? She's 17 or? now yeah. and has pretty much put her colitis into remission through eating a gluten-free, sugar-free, um, now you know trans-fat-free Mm-hmm. minimal dairy diet and again her colonoscopy her new one because she showed me the before and I got to see the after and it is like there's no inflammation and so she's also at this point working on getting off a couple of the medications that her doctor wanted her to be on mm-hmm. she has energy again so she can go running and she works really hard not only is she a student in high school but she's also working and mm-hmm. So she has lots of energy story. I just because you think about if she wouldn't have been able to figure this out Mm -hmm. and she was in the place that she started, you know, when she was 15. Right. I think how that would be affecting her life right now. It wouldn't be much of a life. That's for sure. Yeah. So that's wonderful. So just to kind of recap, I mean, her story, but during the elimination, she didn't eat cheese, yogurt, cottage cheese, Cream, sour cream, ice cream, or pudding. And she also cut out gluten, right? Right. And again, today she's experimenting with adding back in some dairy and seems to be tolerating it fairly well, which, of course, as a teenager, makes her life a little bit easier. Um, (laughs) But she knows that she needs to be gluten-free because there have been a couple Oreo incidents that (laughs) have not left her feeling very good. You know, one reason dairy can be so difficult to digest is because it contains lactose, which is a milk sugar. And approximately 70% of the world's population is lactose intolerant. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. (laughs) So these people know when they're lactose intolerant, they know that drinking milk or eating ice cream gives them a very upset tummy and possibly diarrhea. People who are lactose intolerant do not have the enzyme, which is lactase, that's needed to break down the milk sugar. And people who are lactose intolerant may be able to eat a little bit of cheese, yogurt, and cream cheese because those foods actually don't have a lot of lactose. And so my husband, Ryan, is pretty darn lactose intolerant. And so drinking milk will send him over the edge within a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. But he eats just gobs and gobs of yogurt. And, you know, plain yogurt mm-hmm. and does, which is dairy, which but... is dairy. But because it's kind of gone through that fermentation, he's able to digest that. OK. Very easily. Because it's got the, the good bacteria, the good bacteria yeah. in it that kind of pre-digests it for you. Mm-hmm. The second reason some people do not tolerate dairy is due to the proteins, whey and casein that are found in milk. 
For many people, these proteins are just very inflammatory and hard to digest. If after removing all dairy foods for four to six weeks, you find that cheese, yogurt, sour cream, or even butter give you an upset stomach or diarrhea, then you are probably sensitive to the whey and casein mm-hmm. and should just stay away from anything that is made from milk. Right. So those are kind of the two different scenarios. There's yes. lactose intolerance and mm-hmm. then there's having a casein sensitivity or a whey sensitivity, sensitivity, which are those proteins found Mm -hmm. in cow dairy. So, and you know, Brenna, some people do are able to tolerate goat products. Right. Because they contain a different casein protein. They carry what is called the A1 Mm -hmm. casein versus most cow's milk contains something called the A2 casein. Oh, okay. I think I got that right. Okay. I may have gotten it backwards. I'm very impressed that you knew that. And I isn't think I got it, it backwards. <laughs> is a little bit closer to the molecular structure of breast milk? Uh, that might I have something that. to do with it. I don't quite remember all just of it. It's easier to digest. It's just easier to digest, yeah. less inflammatory. So again, it's like if people have taken dairy out completely, sometimes I actually recommend that they add goat milk, yogurt, goat milk itself or maybe a little goat's milk cheese in first before they even add anything that was a cow's milk. I do the same thing. And, you know, it may not be as readily available at the stores. Most stores are going to have at least one option for a goat product, but you can definitely get it at the natural food Mm co-ops or like a Whole Foods. Yeah. So, you know, even Trader Joe's has a really good creamy goat's milk cheese. I've seen that. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we have, I think we have a couple minutes left here, but before we finish up, let's just recap what people can do to begin healing their digestive tract if they have Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Well, first, they need to remove gluten and dairy. They should also try to avoid processed trans fats and added sugar. We would then recommend adding in some good bacteria, such as our Nutri-Key Bifidobacteria, one to two capsules before each meal, and also sipping on glutagenics, glutamine, or, or yeah, it's glutagenics contains glutamine, either before meals or even throughout the day. You know, we hope that today's show gives you hope that your irritable bowel can be calmed and that remission is possible. Making diet changes can be very, very difficult, and people often need lots of support. So Kara and I really want to encourage anyone that is struggling with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis to call Nutritional Weight and Wellness and make an appointment with a nutritionist. Just, you know, grab a pen here real quick. Our office phone number is 651-699-3438. And, you know, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Life I love you all is cruelly. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.